March 8th, boys, we're flying through March. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Uh, yeah, I'm not bad. Is February the shortest month of the year, though, right? Yeah. 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 It feels the longest, though. Right. No, it definitely does. I think the nights are getting longer. Or, sorry, the sun time is staying up, making the days yeah. a little longer, rather. I think, we got, uh, I think we got daylight savings coming up this weekend, so we're losing an hour, which sucks. Speaking of saving daylight, the NBA... Uh, all-star competition happened last night. Let me finish. And uh, they saved two nights of an event by uh, putting the dunk competition in the in the halftime show. So uh, I know Josh is rolling his eyes at me, but we're starting off with the NBA All-Star event. And uh, oh, that's fine. Something they did this year to cover coronavirus was uh, put everything. Actually, did they have the Rising Stars game too the same day, Matt? I don't I know didn't even watch the Rising Star. I don't okay. know. I don't I even think, think they did. did. I think they did. They had it earlier, and then um, maybe, maybe they, no, they didn't even play the Rising All Star Games. I'm sorry. They yeah. just named the teams. They didn't even play them. Yeah. But so it was a one day event. They put the dunk competition uh, at halftime. There was a lot. Of, I don't know if you guys saw the banter online, but there was a lot of question marks around uh, the judgment and the winner of the dunk competition and the dunk that won the competition. Did you guys see the dunk? I saw all the dunks. It was actually so it – it was fun just in terms of, like, there has been a lot of fun in sports the last little while just with COVID and all this stuff. Because originally, I think we all said that we didn't want them to play the All-Star game, correct, because of COVID? Did we all say that? Yeah, I did. I think all All-Star games are stupid, so. Okay, Brent, yeah. So, um, I don't know why you had to say that, Josh. Um, anyways, <laughs> so, yeah, it was actually fun. Giannis got the All-Star um, MVP, which is – pretty good he I think he went 16 for 16 in the game he literally did not miss yeah which is insanity when you think about it he, well, he, made, three a, he made a three as well right yeah, yeah it was good team LeBron but, won yeah yeah. yeah team LeBron won um I think this is the fourth time in a row team LeBron's won so every time he's picked a team his team is won, which I think is just a hilarious little uh stat right there and um what was the guy's name who won the contest Brandon what contest? The dunk contest. Uh, his name was uh, Simmons, something Simmons. Yeah, and he um the, from Portland and yeah, something, yeah. Simon something. The dunk that I loved the most was actually him kissing the uh the rim, which was hilarious. So, but he didn't kiss it though. That was, that was attempt, the sorry, attempting to kiss the rim. That one I would say went more the most viral, which is just kind of funny. And uh, Josh, did you not laugh when he tried to do that? I, yeah, I did. Like, so the issue I have with the dunk competition is I think we've seen all we can see with the dunk competition, unless you start using props and stuff. Um, and I don't get the voting. So an all-star game is for the fans, right? Why are the fans not voting? Like, you have the capability. You have an NBA app. Like, do the dunk competition, play the second half, and then name the dunk competition winner after the game is done so fans have time to vote. Wouldn't that make more sense than having, you know, five guys give them scores like I, I i've never understood why the I fans don't just, get to decide the best dunk i think it's like just for like the immediate feedback kind of factor like they hold up scorecards out of nine and ten and like i just feel like they've been doing that for like ever like i think like, like i don't know no i think it's just an american thing like they do that for like beauty pageants what else do they hold the nine and the ten up for i feel like they do it for everything so yeah yeah, they do. Yeah, like they do that for so much things. So I think it's kind of more like that. But yeah, 
Josh, if I were you, I would get the fans more involved. For Especially sure. voting would be kind of cool. But Especially like, this year where there was no crowd, right? Like usually – like so that replaces your crowd noise because if, if there's a good dunk that the fans love, then the arena goes nuts. Well, this year you don't really have that. You have the pumped-in noise, and I think they had limited fans there. It might have been friends and family. But if you get that voting going, then people are going to be interested to see the votes live, and you get those TV ratings in. It just, I don't, it just felt kind of forced this year with the whole we're having an all-star game. They already ruled out two players before the game even started. So it's kind of like I, it, I had, I watched the, uh, the first like it was like the skills course where they had to yeah, yeah, yeah. make a pat. That was a stupid one. I didn't get that. I thought the three point competition was really good. That was entertaining, especially with those Mountain Dew balls now. And uh, like the that competition's made for Steph Curry. That was a fun, and I love that it came down to his final ball. That kept me hooked. Um, and then I watched the dunk contest afterwards on uh, on YouTube, and like there were some good dunks, but. I just kind of think, unless you, I, maybe you got, got to change the format of it, but how do you change the format of a dunk? Like, it's, you've kind of seen all you can see, right? Or am I the only one who kind of thinks that? So basically, no, I know this isn't our debate segment, but basically you're trying to have the conversation, are all-star games stupid across all sports? Is that what you're trying to say, Josh? I just don't see the point in them. So is that yes or no? Yeah, like, I, I like, so the actual game part, I don't get, but the the skills competition i can see the value in that because like let's use the nhl for example you want to know who the fastest skater is well you can't do that in a game right i think so it's more it. the whole yeah. all-star. i think it's being named to the all-star because like still have an all-star team yeah i know but i'm just telling you why they do the weekend and stuff because yeah. the nhl is the only sport where making an all-star team is not a direct correlation to contracts. Maybe entry levels getting your bonuses and stuff. Yeah. But like I remember Clay Thompson missed out on fifty million dollars because you know how they do the all NBA team and you're yeah. a first all-star, a second all-star. He missed out on that one literally only one year and every other year he got missed out fifty million dollars. So I think that's why you see other other leagues like the NHL, MLB, and uh, NFL care more about their all-star game. So in terms of hockey, I definitely think they should do something more like that. Because, like, I think, like, the All-Star, it should help in Hall of Fame type of stuff when you, like, your career is over and you're a 15-time All-Star. Like, I think that carries weight. But if someone just says I'm a one-time All-Star, like, that doesn't really have the same ring to it, you know? Brandon, what do you think? Uh, what is this? Is this debate 10 minutes in? What's the question? Well, I just we're just like the value of all star games. Yeah, I, right. I, I'm gonna... Is it the value of the all star game to the player? You mean because of pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's good for the resume. I guess that's what you're talking about. Part of the conversation in terms of Matt raises a great point. Uh, the NBA uses it for for contract basis, you know, and you can get money variations dependent on your all star votes and well, your all star uh, submission rather. So. In the NBA, uh, it's important in that manner. Uh, when if I'm speaking to Josh's, it's it's uh, and uh, All Star games are irrelevant uh, across pro sports. Then uh, I, I can I could agree to most part. I think we talked about this last time. Is uh, sometimes maybe they would benefit from more incentives, and that's what we were talking about with the NHL. Like they all split a million dollars or something like that, and it was kind of like, what's the value of that to their time or to their outside commitment? If they could be taking take, because this could be a week off, right? Like yeah. back in 
pre-coronavirus, they can take a week off for themselves and their family. And so why should I come to the All-Star game? But uh, some of the worst All-Star themed events, because I don't know if the Pro Bowl is an, it is an All-Star selections, but it, it's at the end of the season, which makes it kind of really, 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 really extra boring. Yeah. Um, that's a poor one to watch. The MLB one's a poor one to watch. Uh, the MLB, the, the draw for the MLB one. Well, I, I don't, I know, let me finish. Yeah, go ahead. Is, is the winner used to get home field? No, yeah. I was going to say the draw for the MLB All-Star Weekend is the home run derby. Well, usually, I don't know. I think they might have changed it or it's still, I think they've changed it recently. Is that the winner of the All-Star Game, NL or the AL, uh, got home got the first home well, got home yeah. field in the, in the World Series. And I don't know if they've done that anymore, but even no, the, home run, the home run, run derby is, I don't know, is, you think that's the most that's valued skills uh, across all sports event in All-Stars? Because think no, about no, it. No, no, just, just for baseball. I know no, the dunk contest. Is I have a great question. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, the dunk contest, three-point, home run derby, or hardest slap shot, like what's, what are some of the, like, like the most, like what, what would be the, the greatest event to win as an athlete if you were in the all-star game and you could, I would I'll take this I, yeah, mean, Brent, I get what you're saying let me, yeah uh, let me let me finish before I hand it off because I personally would think that the home runs are impressive but to say you have like the hardest slap shot would be super cool for personal reasons I think like the three-point shooter contest is the hardest one to win yeah because like you could just go out there how many balls do you get 30 something like that you could like lay up 30 bricks. Like five that. times five, five times six or something yeah, like that. Whatever yeah. Whatever it is. Like you could just go out there and just lay bricks, but like they were shooting, I think Curry made like 80% of his shots last night in that competition. So. Okay. I think I have an idea then. Three point contest this week. Orion. Well, I'm down. Do we have enough basketballs? There's no way we could find enough basketballs. We have rebounders. Yeah. I have a, yes, there's ways. Okay. I'll do it, but no timer. Okay. Yeah. So. I just wrapping on and move switching uh, gears here out of the, the all-star weekend, I should guess, because they did the draft with LeBron and Kevin Durant. What are we giving it out of 10? I'll go eight out of 10. What about you guys? That's uh, a good number. Eight's see, good number. Josh, my, o- my overall impression of it. I didn't really want, like, was the draft? I'm relying on, was it the draft? Did you guys watch it? Was it? It good? was, was really it? funny. It was, it good. was? It was actually okay. pretty funny to watch the draft. I'll be honest. Sorry, Matt, but. To, to further the rating system on on my eight and a half, it was could have been a nine, but some of the key players were like, not key players, but like the teams were really imbalanced and it was easy to see that from the beginning. Um, right. Okay, yeah. I'll, go, I'll, but, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a seven then. Okay, so. Uh, like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, for example, like they didn't even get yeah. to play. So that was yeah, hard. So uh, just switching gears, I know we talked about the fastest skater, and one of the fastest skaters in the NHL used to be Taylor Hall, but definitely not anymore because uh, I don't know if you guys saw that clip, but he uh, fell on a breakaway, and he looked very depressed going into a corner, and Buffalo Twitter and NHL Twitter had an absolute field day with that. So where did Taylor Hall and the Buffalo Sabres go from here? I saw Sabres fans tweeting for the coach's head. The owners are getting blasted now. So, uh, Josh, where are you with this story and anything you want to uh, tee up for the boys right now? Well, so I'm hearing okay. it was funny. Him falling was funny. Can we just say that? Yeah, that start? was funny. It okay, looked yeah, like yeah. It, uh, it, it, I don't know what the <laughs> hell he tripped over, man. Like I had to watch it a couple times. I thought I'd be able to see a rut in the ice or something, but I think it was at the beginning of the period. So I don't know what he was tripping over. Um, it happens. It's just unfortunate that you've scored two goals all year, and then that's you who falls over on a breakaway. But 
I'm hearing reports like, oh yeah, Taylor Hall's interested in staying in Buffalo and all that stuff, and Buffalo wants to keep him. If you're Taylor Hall, man, why do you want to stay in Buffalo? Like what? Oh, what I got this. Oh, on, let me let me finish. Like, what incentive do you have to stay in Buffalo? Yeah, you can pay eight million a year. Yes, money, but there's other teams that are going to be able to pay you. Um, I just don't see like this guy. If you look at him on the bench, his body language, he looks fucking depressed. That's what like, I he, said. He looks so sad to be there. Uh, his line, like Jeff Skinner, finally got his first goal of the season, and Jack Eichel's just laying a dump at center ice most games. So. Like, the two guys that he was supposed to be playing with aren't playing either. They have no goaltending. The coaching is a joke. Like, I'm surprised he hasn't been fired yet. And the GM is walking around with his head up his ass. And it all starts – we're going to get to this later. Like, what would you do? But it all starts at ownership, and you got to work your way down. Take a look what the Bills did. It started with ownership. They kind of did a remodel in the executive office, brought in some key pieces of people who know what they're doing, and look at the Bills now. They're the top three team in the NFL. Same owners. Right, same owners, but it's the focus on the re on like the investment, right? You got yeah, to investment. So I, I, it's just I feel really bad for Taylor Hall. Uh, I feel bad for Jack Eichel and even Jeff Skinner, man. Like Jeff Skinner's got to be going through some shit, making nine million dollars a year, and you have two points all season. I, I don't know. It's it it's a mess over there, and I do feel for the Sabers, and I feel for the NHL too because the NHL is fun when the Sabers are good. At least for us, right? Because you got that battle of the QBW. So, um, uh, I'll I'll give my thoughts before I kick it over to Brandon. I don't feel bad for anyone in the Buffalo Sabers organization. The reason is there's a difference if you're all going out trying hard and you just don't get the W. But there's a lot of players in that locker room that are not trying whatsoever. Like I just think the whole Taylor Hall falling down. I know it's one play, and I don't really want to talk about it that much. But I think you're just not engaged. You know what I mean? I think falling is just more of a focus because uh, every a lot of people saw the four second clip of him falling. But when you take it back, there was a massive turnover. It was a good pass, and he should have been on his way. But he might have been tired, and he just fell. Jack Eichel is an interesting case. I guess we'll get to him, but he does not look engaged. Ralph Kruger's calling out players in the media, which I don't know how to do that. Rasmus Dahlin said, oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm like, no offense, Rasmus, but when I look at the young defenseman. I forgot he was on the team. Exactly. So I'll just rip him for a second. When we talk about the young defenseman on Buffalo, in the NHL, we talk about Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, uh, Heiskanen last year, especially in the playoffs. And Dahlin was supposed to be better than all of them. So uh, I think he needs to look in the mirror. I think a lot of them need to look in the mirror because I personally think you can't blame ownership and GM for all of it. Like, we have you have two players who are capable of winning the MVP. Hall already has Eichel. If he won an MVP in his career, I would not be surprised. I think they need to get together as players, or they're all going to get shipped out of town. Brand, what do you think? Uh, on the Buffalo Sabers? Yeah, Brandon. Well, I know, I know you asked. Like, I'm, I'm super <laughs> confused, but I'm just trying to because Josh brings in the Buffalo Bills as a as an example. So I'm like, okay, yeah, it's so. the same ownership group that it is yeah. possible to take crap to reasonable. But, um, it's sad with the Buffalo Sabers. I mean, I was gonna say Buffalo Bills again. Uh, it's sad. Uh, I am a fan. I would consider them in my top five favorite team, probably the fourth or fifth, but. That just goes back from childhood and growing up watching them and traveling to see them because it was accessible and whatnot, as Josh said, the QEW. But uh, even as I grew up, it was fun to watch them play against the Leafs. They actually grew some 
intense rivalries, Nazem Kadri notably too, and Rasmus Ristolainen. Regardless of those rivalries with the Leafs, keeping my attention on the Sabres, uh, it's time for something uh, usually of player being moved, right? So I don't know, like I said, we always want it to be right now and happen today so we can talk about the news, but I don't know how fast this organization will turn around. I mean, I thought you know, it's been turning around since they had Jack Eichel, but look how fast, you know, they'll turn against him and you can see how fast. Uh, the other example of uh, Austin Matthews uh, rose his team. Yeah, like you, people think that just because you get the first overall pick, your team's going to turn around. It's just not the case. You got to have, and we can move on to this here, you got to have a solid management group. Because when the Leafs got Matthews, they had Shanahan in place. They had Babcock as a coach. Lou Lamorello was there. They had a great scouting department. They had Kyle Dubas and Mark Hunter as the assistant GM. Like, they had the right things in place. And it wasn't just Matthews, right? Like, they brought in other pieces to complement him. And they ended up with top four uh, NHL stars, right? Uh, and, you know, eventually they brought in Tavares and Nylander came into his own. Mitch Marner is exceeding expectations. But it's just... And then you take a look at Edmonton and they kind of got onto something when they got McDavid and then they dropped off because their management there isn't the best either. You just look at Buffalo, man. Like they don't really know what they're doing. They, like, I don't know how you, like a guy scores 40 goals once and then you sign him to a nine year or a, a $9 million six year deal. I think like if I'm with the Sabres and they hired me as a hockey uh, president of operations or whatever, hockey president, my first thing I would say to ownership is, okay, back off. I'm cleaning house and I'm bringing in a new GM, assistant GMs, new scouting department, and we're starting from scratch because they keep trying to rebuild and they just don't have the pieces to do it. So I think you got to clear house there and just kind of start fresh. Um, I don't know if Ralph Kruger is the guy to coach that team anymore. Matt, like maybe he can go up to an executive role because he does know quite a bit about hockey. I just, I don't think he's the guy that they can have behind the bench anymore what good has it done for them? He's been there two years now and all they've done is lose. They're going to be tired of hearing from this guy. So Josh, you bring up actually really good points, but a lot of things that you're talking about is the executive level, the ownership level, but they have some intriguing players on their roster. So what do you think should happen between Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, Jeff Skinner, Ryan Hart, and just kind of go down the list of their individual players? Um. Yeah, they do have good talent there. Like, Taylor Hall is a top top player in the NHL. So is Jack Eichel. Uh, you know, Jeff Skinner did score 40 goals. Like, we can't ignore that. Jeff Skinner is a good player. Yeah, sure. Rasmus Dahlin is there. You got you got some good cr- prospects. Like, you got Casey Middlestaff there still. Um, Cousins, yep. Yeah, Cousins. You got – they have the pieces there to get it done. I just think they're missing those complementary pieces because – once you get past like their top five players, it's okay. Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? And you don't need game breakers. I, I think Buffalo already has the game breakers, to be honest. Like Taylor Hall, he's a game breaker. Jack Eichel can be a game breaker, and he has been. He almost dragged Buffalo to a play to the playoffs a couple of years ago. I think Rasmus uh, Dahlin needs some help on the back end, and I, you got to go and get a goalie um, for sure. But it, it, they don't. They don't even need to bring in a big name because they have the big names there. Like your big name is going to be a coach or a GM. I think that would make such a difference for Buffalo. I really do. Yeah. But just to 
a lot of the pieces that you mentioned are moving out. Like, there's no way Tower Hall stays. No, I would not want to extend him at all. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I think that would be more poison no, I don't in the water. Think, I, don't, I don't think he's yeah. a saver past the trade deadline. Exactly. Like, I'm retaining half, and I think a lot of teams would be interested at $4 million Taylor Hall just for a run. Like, I could look at the Leafs, Colorado. Vegas is always in the mix. If Chicago thinks they're for real, maybe they get in. I just think there's definitely some options. And uh, before we move on, Brandon, do you have any last thoughts? No, not on the Sabres. Yeah, Buffalo doesn't really uh, – we can honestly do a whole podcast dedicated to Sabres. They're such interesting. And, hey, uh, that, that could be a fun one we do this week, Matt. Maybe you yeah. and I can, if Brandon wants to partake, I know he hates the Sabres, but we can hop on and, like, do a 20-minute thing. on. Sa- Anyways, yeah, for sure. But just talking about uh, – But okay. It doesn't matter. Anyways, <laughs> talking just about uh, – I know you guys mentioned the uh, 405 in QEW. Another battle in rivalry is the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, and they had it. Boy, did they have a fun! But before I get into their game, I just want to give props to Connor McDavid. I kind of shit talked him. I was listening back, and he took over a game. He got the W almost single handedly against a weak so, Flames team, but that's fine. No, but you pay him to win games like that, you know. So I don't really care who it's against. Yeah, go in ahead. Retrospect, pick, yeah. Pick on a bottom five team. That's fine. Would you rather he didn't show up, Josh? Is that what you want? I I, I just live to see the Oilers suffer. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Anyways, so. <laughs> so um so <laughs> i'm yeah can you take it away josh sorry i lost i lost i lost my thought yeah the battle of alberta really heated up this weekend uh did they play one or two games because a lot of highlights they played one but it was a bang out yeah so like there was a lot of fights uh darn held nurse and uh lucic going that was a good one that was a really good one you know what nurse held his own against a, a veteran like someone called him the heavyweight champ of the NHL. I don't know about that one. Cause Ryan they're Reeves, idiots. Whoever said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ryan Reeves is staring there. Like, uh, but yeah, like they had a good fight, lots of hits, good back and forth. Like Matt said, Connor McDavid took over a game. Um, and like, I liked the response from the flames as since the coach has been fired to say, okay, yeah, we're here for yeah, real. Sure. Cause Sutter's not behind the bench yet. Uh, he, I think his first game he'll coach. His tomorrow. first day is today. I think they had a practice today. It was the first day. Yeah. So his first coachable game is tomorrow. Um, yeah. I think it'd be really interesting to see how this flames team plays for him because he's like, he's a grit going get him coach. And they got, they got some players that'll do that. Like this flames team could get not necessarily skill wise dangerous, but in the corners beat you to a pulp dangerous. And that really fits with their star player, Matt Kachuk. Uh, he's going to love that style of coaching. And that's really going to awaken Lucic, I think. Yeah, on Sunday, on Saturday, sorry. When I was watching that game, Lucic made, like, actual, like, good plays. That was a good fight, before, as okay, you mentioned. Sorry, before you, before you mentioned Good anything, plays relative to Milan Lucic. Yeah, I know. I just I, – I, whenever we say Lucic, and I've made this joke to Brandon before, he always looks like he's skating on a treadmill. He's going oh, so yeah, yeah. fast, he's, but he's not going yeah. anywhere. His skating's terrible. That, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not giving him too much props, but I'm saying he's not – He's he looked a little better than just guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he was guy with number. He was guy with number. He's Instead of a one-star, he's a what? Two-star, maybe a one-and-a-half? One well, so, I still hear one. Yeah. Player. Okay, yeah. Anyways, we saw improvement, which was good. But, yeah, just talking about Darius Sutter coming in Calgary, I agree with you, Josh. Like, even, like, I know – Bennett might be on his way out, but he plays gritty, especially in the playoffs. Uh, Riddick, even Riddick tries to fight people when he's in the net. So I just think they're definitely a gritty team. And I definitely do think it will be kind of interesting to see where they're at because they're still in the race here. Like, I know we don't really wow, talk yeah. about Calgary, 
But when you do look at the standings, they they um they're five points back and they're three points back of Montreal. But Montreal has three games in hand, so they definitely start got to start going now. Definitely. So um, it's interesting. I always go back to Goudreau and Monahan just to be honest with you, because like I, Josh, you watched the whole game, correct? No, or most of it, anyways. But I just personally <laughs> think whenever whenever big games come, I just don't see Goudreau and Monahan. No, and no. I, I like it. It's so frustrating because, like, in games like that, when McDavid shows up and gets three points and scores a good goal, you need other stars, maybe not even to play better than him, but just kind of maintain him, make good plays. Like you saw, we did that with Matthews and Marner, and Nylander had big games. Tavares, like, I just think if you're Calgary, you need so much more out of those two players specifically because it honestly just likes Matthew to Chuck and plus other people every Calgary game I watch. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you, yeah, it is true. So I would definitely, I don't know. I think they have to do something to Chuck, like maybe give him the captaincy or just do something to wake up the locker room even more. Uh, what do you guys think? Brandon? I love, I want to hear, I want to hear, like, I got a question for Brandon cause he's played a high, high level. When a coach comes in with a different mindset than a previous coach, does that, how long would it take for the team to adjust to that? Cause they're used to a previous coaching style, right? Like the yeah. guy they I, I can't even remember his name. Um Joff Ward. Ward. Yeah. yeah, Ward. He like his coaching style was kind of, you know, outside, you know, keep the puck possession, shoot at the net. And Daryl Sutter's gonna come in and he's gonna be like battle in the corners, you know, push to the front of the net, crowd the front of the net. How long is it gonna take Calgary to adjust to that? Well, yeah. I mean, you'd hope that's a good question, but you'd hope as a as a player that as soon as it happens before the guys even stepped in the room, just the name, right, uh, of Sutter uh, has an impact on the uh, atmosphere in the room. Uh, hopefully you're right. You're going to need some veterans to take up uh, a little bit more of a responsibility because that's uh, the style of hockey that was uh, around, I guess, because most of these young players aren't probably quite familiar with Sutter. Uh, so guys like Lucic, Giordano, who used to – you know, play back when Sutter coached, uh, probably have to step up and implement his rules and strategies. However, uh, I personally find him funny to look at, uh, funny to listen to. I couldn't imagine being coached by him, but in terms of the results he's put on the uh, ice throughout his career, in terms of teams, he's done well with different varieties of players wherever he's gone. Uh, so I don't know what it is about him, uh, but I think that um, – he said that he has some unfinished business to do here in Calgary, which is um, yeah. He has to fuck off with that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's representing like two thousand four, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, bro, come on. There's no correlation whatsoever. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, going back to you asking me personally, I think that it, if it hasn't happened already, the first practice today, hopefully, let players know the different type of uh, playing style that, that should be expected out in the Battle of Alberta now, and then uh, throughout the rest of the the league. Yeah, yeah. so uh, very true. That is true. And just to wrap it up, do we think Calgary is making the playoffs, boys? We just do a quick yes or no. I'm going to go with no. I actually didn't have them in. Brandon, you know, shaking your head. I don't think I can. Yeah, Josh. I know. I got to see a little bit more from Montreal. <laughs> Carey Price, you mean? <laughs> Montreal in general. Okay, so uh, just switching gears to another Canadian team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We uh, have a three-game home. Actually, before we start that, in so Josh does the schedule for the show for people that don't know. And in one of his bullet points, he said, Leafs Nation needs to chill. 
Josh, why the fuck do we need to chill? We're first place. We're enjoying it. There is no chill. We're going to win the cup. Because we're not. Go on Twitter. We lose two games to Vancouver. Oh, fire Dubish. Keith doesn't know what oh, he's doing. Oh, sorry. I, mean, I like, thought you meant chill in terms of, like, put your expectations down. Sorry. Oh, I, no, I, no. I read take, that wrong. Take okay, your expectations. Play. Have them store yeah, a yeah. line of Coke. And let's get, let's get you know, rolling here. Yeah, yeah. A weird Wait, saying. What, what, did you, what did you <laughs> – yeah, that was bad. Anyways, Josh, what did you see on Twitter? I, I haven't been on my phone this weekend. People are saying like, Dude, oh, people freak out. Like, we, 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 lose, we lose one game. We lose two games. And there was a trade D-lander. Freddie sucks. Keep doesn't know what he's doing. Dupas needs to bring in pieces for this team. Relax. We okay, just picking games. that apart, just to pick that apart, this next stretch is important. But in yes. terms of – because we're talking about the Vancouver. In terms of Vancouver, I want to give Brandon a shout-out because he said if Austin Matthews keeps going – with a slump, like, Brandon, do you remember what you said? You did something to the effect of what happens if Matthews gets shut down the two Vancouver games, and he did. So, Brandon was right in that respect. Well, I just so, think uh, I said it was going to bring a conversation that you oh, said, yeah, that's what you said. Monday, which I guess we're on Monday now, and we're talking about it. is in a scoring drought. So, uh, Josh? a scoring drought, though? The guy's still leading the league in goals. Well, what did you call McDavid when he was still top five in points and haven't scored in three games? A scoring drought? A fucking loser. That's what I call them. So Matthews is a loser. I guess so. Yeah. So there, you played yourself. But Matthews isn't a loser in my eyes. He's a loser on a first place team. Okay. So, anyways, Josh, we actually we live streamed um, the Vancouver games, correct? The first one, I think we did. We did not live stream the games. That is not no, correct. We did. We are not. Oh, sorry. Pirates. Yeah, we, yeah. Sorry about that. We did a we live stream during intermission to show. talk about the hockey game. <laughs> FBI Just guy watching me right now. We did not live stream the game. We Thank did you. a live stream at intermission and uh, I get Joe Rogan really knocking at my door. Some okay, so um, anyway, Josh, did you uh, notice anything about Vancouver that we did bad? That uh, we did I, bad. I, that we did. <laughs> I think We're we got. I, I think. Um, I think we got unlucky. To be honest, uh, you know, That's we missed. Great the, Okay, well, I'm fucking getting to it, Matt. We missed a couple. We missed a couple of empty nets. I thought. Um, I thought their goalie played really well. Uh, it it was one of those. Th- it was frustrating to watch because I expected a little bit more offense, but I understand why it wasn't there because you're coming off a three game stretch against the second best team in the division in Edmonton, and you shut them down to one goal, you know, you're going to have a stretch where you don't look your best. Um, Freddie's still looking a little bit shaky. I don't think he's going to earn his start tomorrow night. Well, I guess it depends who's ready, but we're going to, I will be worried if they don't respond against Winnipeg. That's when I'll start to get worried. Could it, could it just be as simple as we played so hard against Edmonton? We have a big stretch coming up. And exactly. So that's kind of why we lost the first game and the Saturday night game. We just got beat. Hoglander well, we like, had an amazing shot. Like, do you know what I mean? Do you think it just kind of, that's kind of like why? Eight games in 13 days or something. Yeah. I think it's more that. Like, if we play bad on this homestand, I'm definitely going to get a lot more concerned. So, um, yeah, Winnipeg, I just think Winnipeg, I don't want to say they're made to beat us, but they kind of have everything we have, but their goalie is playing a lot better than our current goalie. So I definitely think it'll be a toss-up. And that's the one team that I'm kind of worried about because we haven't played them. I mean, we played them once, and that was when uh, Shifley tried to jump Marner after the empty net, which was hilarious. <laughs> so, um, Brandon, what do you think um, the key for us beating Winnipeg in the next three games will be? Jump Shifley. Who? Shifley? 
Jump Shifley. Jump Shifley. Uh, I don't like Wheeler. I don't know about Shifley. He's okay. He's Canadian, but uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how uh, the Leafs respond now because they're in a position of uh, responding situation, I guess, because they're uh, they're on the they're on the short end of the stick. They're coming off the losses, and uh, Matthews has personal reasons to have a good game, but. Uh, they do need to identify. I think this is the week where something could happen. I think maybe when I mean something could happen, I mean, you know, in the, in, this is where we could expect a deal to be made. And I think if something was to go wrong and we lost uh, tomorrow night, that that would be, that would be the hole you see in that loss would be the hole that might be filled through the next coming days. I'm not sure. Uh, so necessarily. You, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned to fill the hole. What is the hole the Leafs have? Because I think they're they've looked the best. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Wayne Simmons has actually started skating today. I saw so yeah. that is an area of which the hole could be closed over again because he is the type of player that we don't have to go out and get right now. We have and uh, but this top six forward thing that I hear from the media is kind of a stretch. I think we have the defense. Do you think that we need any new defense? I don't think no. so. Maybe no, depth. Maybe depth. It would be. Uh, we're we're like eleven deep on defense. The no, but Josh, when you actually like number it one to like ten, it's actually not as good as it seems. Because like we realistically, you're all two injuries away from calling up Marinson. Because we have Riley, Brody, Muzzin, then Hall, and then we have Dermot Bogosian, and then right after that, our top six is Lettinen. And then what, Sandine Lilgren? Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, I guess. Yeah. So okay. Well. By depth, I mean guy. Like, at the deadline, if the Leafs get a defense guy, that is fine. Like, do you know I what I mean? So, I, I would definitely not, close yeah, that. Yeah, I hope we're not getting AHL depth. Yeah, that would be disappointing if that's your trade deadline acquisition. Right. Um, no, but I, I, I think that with the deadline coming soon, I, if we don't win and look as amazing in the first game tomorrow night, that that would be something that was going to be addressed because uh, it's a short season. And uh, if we can get something done with the team in Canada, maybe that would be beneficial, right? We can get the guy faster. So yeah. get him on the ice. And uh, it's going to be interesting to watch Pierre-Luc Dubois for the first time on Canadian television in my I don't have – I never watched him until he came up here. So I, don't, I wouldn't watch him if he wasn't playing the Leafs. So it's going to be interesting to see. Matthews versus him, and then um, it'll be hard missing out on the Line A Matthews battle. So uh, Matthews be, that we need to win, and yeah, uh, we need to keep our position in uh, the top, top first. Nothing else but first is satisfactory, really. Josh, what yeah. do you think about the Winnipeg stretch? Uh, I well, I see it two ways, right? So let me Winnipeg. They're they're a they're a big team. Like they like to play play as strong against the boards. And I'll ask you guys this. Would you consider calling Sabrin over from the uh, taxi squad and throwing him on the fourth line? They don't Every have time, to, they don't you have know what it is. Right now. You Every know what it is, Josh. Discuss this. It's never happened. I know, but like you would have to have it happen eventually, right? He's on the taxi squad for a reason. Otherwise, he'd be playing in the Marlies. I'm not saying that it's. I'm not saying that I don't want it to happen. But I, we've always mentioned. Do you think that the next game is when the Sabrin should come, and then we see him fight? Uh, practice fight in the media, but it That's seems like they just so, it seems that they're so reluctant to use him for some reason. I mean, I don't know if it has to do with taking no, out. I, I, deserves it. I would say that probably everyone else right now deserves to be on there more than him. But if you're looking for an ad of depth and that toughness, right? That's what the difference is. Mm -hmm. Josh, you know what it is though. I think there's it's different of like I think Winnipeg. 
is like hitting tough, like strong. You're going to have to protect the puck pressure down low. There can be big bodies in front of Freddie. Like, I don't think it's a fight. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? So like, I don't really think. Yeah. Sabrin, but like, so, yeah it's but, different though. You know what I'm trying to say? But that, that threat's there. Like if you see him on the bench, as opposed to the press box, you might not hit Marner as hard as you, you know what I mean? Uh, like, trust me. I don't think Winnipeg thinks that I, maybe if it's like Ottawa or something, but I just think this game is so important from a hockey perspective. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather have a Vessi or a Barabanov or someone who I might, might get a tapping goal or just for whatever. Cause like, I just think when you play good teams like this, I don't want to say Matthews and Marner are less important, but it's more realistic that you're going to need third or fourth line scoring. So yeah. I personally wouldn't put Sabarin in. Maybe if um, they were, it was a back-to-back, but we play them every other day. So I wouldn't really put Sabarin in. But uh, just in terms of the stretch, we are ahead of them. The only problem is they have games in hand. So just looking at the standings right now, the Leafs are by a mile. Well, maybe not by a mile. They have uh, two games in hand, but we're seven points ahead. And the next three games are we play them. So, like, I think we need four to six points. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I'd, I'd say you got to get four out of six. Got to get four, yeah. I just – you want to be in such a good position going into the deadline that there's not a pressure to yeah. get a haul or pressure to get Ricardo Kell, who's been mentioned, or Granlin. There's a few – Eric Stahl, a few guys that have been thrown our way. Because, like, realistically, I think if Simmons was healthy and maybe Robertson was healthy from the jump, he might have got called up by now. I don't think there would have been so much pressure to get a forward. So, Brandon, you kind of mentioned that you think the media is kind of playing a narrative that we need another forward. Do you not agree with that, or do you not think we need um, some top six help? No, I agree with that. I think that it's hard to see Simmons skate already because where would that spot go if we needed that? If That's we got the something thing. I don't know where he's going. Right now, because, I mean, although the top six forward sounds expensive – isn't Simmons at one million or something like that? Like 1. he's 1. at one point five. He's at he's at one of the bare minimum on your on your on your team. So and you can his his, his asset might be pushed to the third line, which is you know I think I think because like just when you kind of look at a roster, I just kind of think like we have this checking line of Mateev, Engvall, and Hyman. But when Simmons comes back, there's no way that stays. Don't you think, Josh? Like, I can no, see that I think, staying. I, I think that stays. But then wh- where do you put Simmons? With Tavares and Nylander and you put Kerfoot on the fourth line? Yeah, because Kerfoot's not hanging around past the trade deadline. I think he's a good trade piece I, for someone. I think so, too. So I think the elephant in the room kind of is that um, – I think when you look at the left side, which is most likely where a Granlin or Hall or a Kel or maybe Eric Stahl would come in, I think we have Joe Thornton. Right now, so Joe Thornton one, Kerfoot two, Mikheyev three, and Vessi four. And when you just look at that on its own, I don't think it's good enough to win a cup. So what I think that the left wingers, Josh. Oh, okay. I named I, the four I, left wingers. I understood that when yeah, you said that. I was like, I was like, my apologies. Is, I named honest, the four left wingers. Josh was giving uh, some heat to some of the haters that said Vessi wasn't gonna. Uh, contribute at all and he's kind of gotten a little bit of he got, um, hot. He got hot for a few games yeah. in the last few games getting some goals and i know yeah. i don't know if Josh has anything to say on that no it's just okay. that it's i don't think he's done anything wrong um it's just you always need that guy to pick on right like you always have the weak link every group has it every team has it um so, so the leafs nation needed some negative outputs they were like oh jimmy vc 
he sucks. It was like, no, he's just not on the score sheet, right? Like, I think, uh, yeah. It, it was just I nice to see him get a couple goals, right? I don't think – I think he's been fine for the Leafs. I don't have an issue with him. But I think the reason that, like, people don't like him is because I, I just named the hole we have at left wing. The hope was that he would be beside Tavares and Nylander, and he would get maybe 20 goals. So that was actually the hope. Because when you look at his – Maybe not in this season because 56 games, but in a regular 82-game season, he was 20. That was – no, that was actually what we expected because when you looked at his production with the Rangers, he was getting 17 goals, 20 goals. So the thought was he's a guy you can put with Matthews and Marner and maybe he kind of rejuvenates re, – that's not the word. Re, rejigs his career, I would say. Rejuvenate. Reju, good job, Josh. Yeah. So um, – I'm kidding. Okay, but you want just kidding. Okay, so I'm um, just kind of switching gears now. We actually got some really positive news. Oh, never mind. I thought you weren't switching gears. I was going to say, speaking of rejuvenating. Okay, yeah, you can finish. Yeah, we'll go. NWHL will finish their season. That's what I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, well, you weren't so, going to use rejuvenating, but and, I wanted to. Any, yeah, okay, so. Anyways, Josh, you have um, some sources close to this. So they're returning. What is it going to look like? What are the Josh dates? actually was on the phone call that made this decision possible. I made I made the decision. I called yeah, up. So I called. I called up. Sources is Josh. I called up Ty Tamilia. I said, "Hey, I got you ice. Get your teams down here." So Josh, what do you so, know about the It's going to be. I believe it's March 26th, 27th. Uh, four teams the Warrior, are going. What? Boston Bruins practice center. Boston Bruins practice facility, home of the Boston Pride. Um, they are going to just do their semifinals and finals, two days, COVID testing, protocols, quarantine. And uh, I, I reached out to a couple of Toronto Six reps and I was asking, I said, hey, is this, because remember one of the main issues, Brandon, you might remember this, we discussed it with Digit. One of the main issues of the NWHL doing their bubble in the States was that when the six players came back, they'd have to quarantine for two weeks. And uh, these ladies can't afford to take an extra two weeks off work. So, so that's interesting because so that's one of the issues because they've already used that time in the previous bubble. So now my main concern is is it going to be worth it for them or are they going to be able to go out there, play maybe one or two games and then come back, right? Like it it it's a it's a serious worry in my Well you, you said know, there's gonna be testing though. There's so be testing, the but of- but the Canadian government, right? They need to get approval to be exempt from a uh, from a quarantine when they get back. So you can go to yeah, the but states. Yeah, we're not talking about getting back. It's in the tournaments in the states. Yes, but that's the main issue. So it's in the states. So you're leaving Canada, going to the states, and then you got to come back. You say you land back here on the Monday. You can't go to work on Wednesday because these these girls they have other jobs. So that's one of the issues that is being discussed. Um, they might get an exemption from the Canadian government uh, where they come back and they have to just quarantine for three or four days because they will be in a COVID bubble, COVID protocols, COVID testing. Then I do ex- exception to personally, just because wouldn't we all like to do a little bit of our own thing and exactly. receive a little bit of grant from the government. However, you know, it is, it is, it is great to see this reoccurring in the, the league trying to finish. I wonder if there's some pressure on them because they saw the dream or they saw the, yeah, that's the, dream exactly what it is. the dream tap to, Dream Gap Tour taking some steam on uh, the recent weekends with some broadcast time and some uh, some some promotion. So maybe they felt. Do you think that that played a factor? I don't think we're gonna. A hundred percent. I think that's what it is because the PWHPA is really picking up steam. Uh, the Barstool Hockey League is filming their their <laughs> tournament today, I believe. Um, 
I don't really know how well that's going to do because they were supposed to do it live. Nobody clearly the NWHL wants to get a product on there. Yeah, I think it's important they complete it too. Right? So uh, the teams involved, it's going to be the Pride, the Whalers, the Whitecaps, and the Six. Interesting. So they're still missing two teams? Yes, because they're only doing their semifinals and finals. So they're just taking, oh, right. yeah, so they're just taking their top four seeds, which is good. And it'll be nice to get a completion on it because the Six, they were on a roll. So just from a personal standpoint, it'd be nice to see them keep going and uh, bring home the ship. Speaking yes. of bringing home the ship. Oh, you got anything to say on the Six, Matt, or you're good? No, I was going to put my two cents in here. I just think, like, it's so frustrating with COVID because I think these women definitely um, deserve the opportunity to, to show their skill set. And I just remember watching all the highlights because I couldn't catch any, some of the games. So I just remember watching the highlights, and they were buzzing. Josh, as you mentioned, Toronto. So I'm really happy that they're going to get it together and um, finish the uh, season outright. But um, I was wondering if you guys had any predictions. Like, who do you, I know we're biased, so we're going to say Toronto, but uh, – Josh, if you had put money on it, who are you picking? Well, the hottest team in the ter- going into the into the playoffs was Toronto, so I think you'd have to be kind of so two things to see it. Right? I think that now that we've learned how they can play, not only does their skill on ice come into factor, I think that this team has developed much more chemistry than any of the other teams this year due to the road trip and yeah. the the individuality of them being in Toronto because uh, they're they're. They're excluded from the rest of the, the the league in America. They're not just, you know, they're not as close to their former teammates. A lot of these girls, it's an expansion team, right? They used to play on other teams. So I think that uh, they might have any of their close friends and family and be on a bus with the Toronto Six, quarantining in Canada. I think that they really come close. So not only does their skill now match the, 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 the brand that they want to show, but I think that the, the core – friendship bond shows through uh the product on the ice and i think that um josh will have a great reason to uh represent his 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 jersey he had to put away so soon that he just got yeah that was it it showed up the day they canceled the season that was sad your bad luck so yeah but uh let's move on here uh, speaking of Canadians, uh, Corey Connors finished in third place at the Arnold Palmer Invitational this weekend. We won't talk too much about this. Uh, I just thought the top three was yeah. interesting because you had Connors at third place, Lee Westwood in second, and Bryson DeChambeau in first. Now, what was interesting was there was there's a hole that's what didn't used to be a drivable par five because you had to go around the lake, but DeChambeau just decided no, screw that lake. I'm just going to bomb it over. So on day three, he took out his driver. The wind was with him and he just absolutely nuked this. And he landed, I think it was like 80 yards from the hole on a part three, which is absolutely unreal. Um, He was was pumping and all that and crazy. Like you you don't see that in golf at the moment. They're going to have to start, you know how they have to tiger proof, Courses, no, that, they might have to start Bryson proofing courses if this guy keeps doing that. Like, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Connors was in contention till host hole 16, and then he just kind of choked and bogeyed it, dropped a couple bogeys, and that, that was that. And Lee, Lee Westwood, they call him the Ageless Wonder. That's been around forever, man. He's constantly, you know, finishing top tens, and that, that was good to see. So I just thought it was a very unique top three. That's why I brought it up. And we go into the players this weekend. That's always a fun tournament to have. And 
we got the Masters creeping up on us again, which is weird. You got back-to-back Masters tournaments. So I know Matt's a huge golf fan. Yeah. So. All right, let's move on. No, I, I am. Dude, yo, right, just Brandon, keep it. Ha- Brandon has something to say. I'm a super huge golf fan, though, for real, and I'm excited to see a, a Canadian in contention at that tournament this past weekend. But uh, the Players is a beautiful tournament to watch. I'm excited to see that one happen every year. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Matt, what can you tell us about J.J. Watt and the Cardinals? Well, I think we were kind of disrespect, disrespecting J.J. Watt by talking about golf before we bring on J.J. Watt, but um, that's just me. So, yeah, J.J. Watt, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, excellent player. He's definitely not in his prime anymore, but he went to the Arizona Cardinals for two years at $50 million, which is insane, just because – just looking at the landscape of the league, no one actually thought he would get the big money. So a lot of people are saying that he picked um, the paycheck over winning a championship, which I don't, you could might agree. Cause when you look at Arizona, they're in the hardest division with the Seahawks, the 49ers and the Rams. So it might not have been the smartest thing to go there in terms of winning a championship. So just to get you guys in there, do you think some athletes go to a nice weathered place like Florida, like Arizona, like LA, you see it all the time just take the bigger paycheck and not really care about winning. So do you kind of see that trend, Josh? Like you saw there's a Bobrovsky in Florida. Yeah. LeBron went to the Lakers. Like, I just think that's me. What I personally think just the situation, I think he got an opportunity to, instead of getting 10 million, he got 50 million and he got to go to one of the nicest places in the world in Arizona. Just it's nice weather. And he's from Wisconsin. So that's probably a switch up. So no state tax. So I basically think he made this move not exactly for a championship. Yeah, there are an opportunity to win, but I don't think they're anyone's favorites. So I'm going to say he went with the money instead of a championship and legacy. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's correct. I, I don't think he has any intention of winning a championship. Or anything, you know, delusional to think that that roster they have right now is going to win a championship. They don't even have a quarterback. Well, they've Kyler Murray. He's came along. I thought the same thing, especially throughout the whole speculation, the the days and even the weeks leading up to the decision. The Bills and the Browns seem like way better options. Yeah, but Buffalo and Cleveland. I think it's more that than it is. But you you're not living there though. Like even if you play for the Bills, you don't have to live in Buffalo. Right. Josh, you know what it is? He just got married, and um, he like during his press conference, he did talk about wanting a have a life, kids, like all that type of stuff. So I think a great, I have a great transition after this if we're done. Okay, yeah, for sure. Oh, we're almost done. Just So I just think he kind of looks at this more in terms of like, hey, I'm done. This is my final stop, and I want to be here for a long time than it is winning a championship. So uh, no offense to you Bills fans, but you don't get J.J. Watt. Uh, Brandon, what's your transition? I don't want J.J. Watt. All right. Well, Josh, if you don't have anything to say, can I transition us out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said uh, JJ Watt recently had his wife was pregnant, and last night one of uh, AEW's superstars had to uh, John Moxley, right, Josh? Yep. Is uh, for lack of a better term, beat off the show. I guess Josh believes that it's in relation to his wife being pregnant and him having a has having a child. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Matt has nothing to say. He didn't watch this, but Josh and I were watching uh, All Elite Wrestling Revolution last night, and uh, a couple key matches uh, of uh, note that I'd like to talk about was the last match 
and uh, the team tag team Royal Royale, which I've never heard of before. So what were your overall opinions on the night? So this pay-per-view, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, I didn't pay for it. Uh, this pay-per-view was one of the most entertaining and one of the least entertaining things I've ever watched because the matches that were bad were awful, but the ones that were good were phenomenal. Like the Chris Jericho and MJF match versus the Young Bucks, that was really, really good. Uh, Canadian Chris Jericho. Um, oh, another Canadian. Another Canadian. The, the, yeah. Special the, guest. The Casino Battle Royal, that was fun. Uh, you always like to see that, like a Royal Rumble style tag team elimination match that was fun uh i really enjoyed i really enjoyed the ladder match with hamilton's own ethan page debuting and then um you know the sting match it was different because it wasn't in the ring but um it was like filmed in a warehouse and that was kind of cool to see like uh uh what's his face jumped like 20 feet and then buried that guy two floors down that was fun and then the barbed wire the exploding barbed wire death match i had no idea what the hell to expect out of this thing and when they put the rules on the screen i was like okay i don't know how this is gonna work and i thought it was a really good match lots of blood it was brutal they used the whole ring and then they really ruined it at the end when the ring was supposed to blow up and it looked like four sparklers were lit in the corner i was like oh boy that was bad and uh it entertained me, but it also let me down. Right. As my first time watching an event like that um, in a long time, I should say it was uh, it was good act. It was good wrestling. Not <laughs> it was good wrestling. Great wrestling. Great story playing. Um, the, the 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 added uh, hardcore of the AEW is what I really like. That the whole death explosion match was great until uh, the last last uh i think the last explosion was hilarious due to the fact that the two guys involved laid there motionless for 10 minutes after the show yeah. even though we were both clearly unfazed by it uh one thing else to say before we move on is that christian uh Canadian. made his announcement signing to the AEW last night and um i said he'll be a champion within two months do you think that that could be possible no, I don't think that's the direction they're going to go with them. That belt's going to stay on Omega, who's also a Canadian. Matt's debates time. Oh, yeah, that's um. Thanks for that, Brandon. Anyways, so we have four questions today, boys. And the first one, have you guys all seen the Tom Wilson hit? I assume you have. Yeah. So Tom Wilson did a crazy hit, only hit his head. I thought the majority of people agreed with that. And he only got seven games, which some people were surprised because usually if you're a repeat offender, they double it. But it turns right, out he's not a re- uh, Yeah, you got it. Right. it tur- yeah, yeah. So just shut up. I'm talking. Anyways, it, clar- <laughs> it clarifies that he's not a repeat offender. And a lot of people thought that was weird. And also you had two very bad suit foots and people only got fined. We made a joke about the OV thing last time, but in reality, he did not get a strength for that. So the question is, is NHL Department of Player Safety a joke? Josh, you can start. Uh, yeah, um, they consistently get the... Brandon, why do you look so surprised? I do think it's a joke. It's run by a former, <laughs> it's run by a former enforcer. You need to have somebody in there who's never played hockey before. I don't know. You just need that won't work. Yes, it will. You need a third party in there who can... <laughs> oh, third party. Okay, yeah, okay. Third yeah. Like, one second. This is funny. I actually thought you just meant 
just get a random person and say, do you think this was bad? And they know oh, nothing no, about no, hockey. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant. No, no. So it's like, dude, half the things in a hockey game, people get suspended. Like, there's no way you can explain to a normal person. The goalie can just come out and attack people. And, like, oh, no, the Mike can, Smith but... cross-checks, oh, like, yeah. It would no, be so no, funny if it was a normal person. I didn't mean this. I didn't mean just like walk down Dundas and ask the first guy you see is wearing a red sweater. Like have the same guy for it, but like get like. <laughs> yeah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah, Josh, uh, finish your thought. Yeah, it, it, it is a joke. They consistently get it wrong. They're very inconsistent in their suspensions, and I don't think Peros is the guy for the job. When Shanahan did it, I thought it was pretty good because the videos they released with it um, explained you know, yeah. explained it. When we get a release from Peros, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's like he spins a wheel and was like, okay, five k, five k fine or a seven game suspension, and I, I don't know, and I, I thought Wilson deserved more because he's a repeat offender, and he is. Like, I don't think it matters that he went two years without a dirty hit, and should they take in consideration they didn't play for a year of that because of Gosh, the it was only players? one year. It's not two years, it's just one year. So last season he didn't get suspended, so he's not a repeat offender. That's it. That's stupid. <laughs> That is so dumb. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Whoa. Well, clearly, clearly, right. it, yeah. yeah, clearly, clearly, it strikes a hard chord with Josh. I didn't know that it would. I thought George Paris wasn't the worst. Uh, it's terrible. Worst. Uh, I guess that you mentioned releasing footage with the clips that Shanahan did was very assistful, assistful, helpful in helping the fan recognize what went wrong. Uh, clearly, the hit was horrible. I thought Josh was disagreeing with that. Seven was too much. Uh, seven seems appropriate for the shortened season. I don't know if the shortened season was taken to an effect was taken into effect while suspending Tom Wilson. Uh, I didn't think. I also didn't know that uh, repeat offender had to be within like the last year, calendar year, or season year. I think that regardless, Tom Wilson is a dirty player, and that should be known, and it should have an effect on his suspension. Uh, Josh raises a good point though with the inconsistencies now because. You know, what do you value and what do you hold at a higher standard? Obviously, head and CTE and concussion protocol is, is very important. But if you can just go around sticking someone in the nuts, what's the what's what's what when when what's a game? What's the suspension? What's the amount of suspensions that Ovi's going to get if he's a repeat nut shot offender? I, 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 like what I if he does it again? Out. Is that three games for for clappers to the nut? Probably. I don't think yeah. I don't. I don't know. The OV thing is not really that big of a deal because it's kind of funny. Nah, and, like, it is, though, because, like, what's 5K to hit? No, but – sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm comparing it to Tom Wilson charging and taking people's heads off. Yeah. And the no, no. Totally and other stuff. That's what it. I meant. Sorry. I'll just expand on that. So, yeah, so my answer is, are they a joke? Um, no, I don't think they're a joke. Uh, I think to Josh's argue, – to argue Josh's point, it, it's interesting to have George Paris on. I don't think that – the fact he was a tough guy in NHL, uh, maybe his maybe he maybe it's having an effect on his delivery of speech that you mentioned. He spins a wheel and just talks, but uh, I think that he cares a lot for the for the safety of the actual players who are involved. And um, oh, I think he cares. I just don't think he. Knows yeah, he so I, I don't know. I don't think they're a joke just yet. But uh, I think if any more any any further dirty plays were to occur this year with uh, suspect. Uh, decision rulings um, that would further my uh, my my judgment on the guy. So no, not a joke right now. I just want to, Matt. You're gonna laugh at this. We 
we're talking about the Tom Wilson hit, and Brad Marchand was asked about it, and he said it was oh like God, a, I saw he, this. he said it was a bullshit, uh, a bullshit hit, dirty, and doesn't deserve to be in the game. And then literally like 18 hours later, he cross checks the guy in the back of the head after the whistle. He so, <laughs> dude, like. So, exactly. That's oh, my point. I also wanted, why That's you why it's a joke. Why are you asking Brad Marchand about a Capitals player? Oh, he hit the Bruins player. It was, they played the Bruins in the game. That's why they asked. I don't care. Him. Why are you asking Brad Marchand, who is known to treat players like popsicles and just lick them? Like, it's. I don't. The funny thing about the. Dude, this is why I think it's a joke. Because Marchand literally knew, okay, I can't get in trouble for anything because. Anything goes in the ice. Yeah. You saw the defenseman. They both made eye contact. The guy turns around. Then Marchand cross-checks in the back of the neck. And the funny thing is, Marchand and the ref both made eye contact, and they both looked at the guy on the ground. They both just skated away. Like, it was the most absurd thing I've ever seen in hockey. It was so funny. But, yes, to answer the question, it is a joke because there's no accountability amongst players. There's no common thing. Like, I personally, when I see a hit and I'm like, oh, that's definitely going to get suspended. I don't know if it's one game, two game, or three games. I just personally think it needs to be more consistent throughout each suspension. But moving on, the next question. What position is most valuable in the sport of hockey? Number one center, number one D, or an elite goal? I'll repeat the question. What position is most valuable in the sport of hockey? Number one center, number one D, or elite goalie, Josh, you can go first. Elite goalie, because if you can't make a save, it doesn't matter how many you score. The other team's just going to put another one in. I knew we would not agree with this question. That's why I put it in. Brandon, let's go. What do you think? Yeah, I'll say forward, but I'm not going to put too much thought into it. It's not like you gave us these a day in advance. I think the beauty of of these is just how, how much we'll look back on this. And what, Josh? Just throwing that under the bus there. That's fine. No, 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 no. It's not his fault. No, it's a, it's a credit to him and the whole production of the show because it's you don't want to think about it. Sometimes it's funny to look back and maybe you realize you didn't think as much as you did. But I, I'm gonna go ahead and say right now that I think a forward, a for a, a first centerman, yeah, a centerman, a centerman. Well, I guess the centerman uh, is important. I think in terms of building blocks, you say goalie's great to have, but. I think I've learned recently that players and no matter what uh, are even willing to take a, a cut to their paycheck if they can come play with a star player and a star player is usually a centerman and a forward. And uh, based on this question, I think that if you have a Matthews or a McDavid or you have <laughs> a Carter Hart or a Carey Price, like I'm going to play with the forwards, the guys that, you know, can put up historic, you know, offensive numbers and, and the chips will fall in place after that, even goaltending. I don't know if goaltending is the most attractive thing to bring the rest of the league to your team. I'm not sure if the question is what's more valuable to an organization over 10 years or what's more valuable to the organization if they're trying to win a cup right now. So uh, for the answers of both, I think that you need something to attract anyone and uh, a forward flashy first player. I'm, last time I, I can't remember other than maybe Carey Price. I haven't heard of a franchise goalie in a long time. Yeah, so uh, Josh The last Frank, one was Rookie Pietro, and he's still getting paid, and he was the first overall pick, and he's a sack of potatoes. Yeah, so, uh, Josh, I think you're wrong as well. Okay, I've I think seen, you're wrong, too. No, but I've seen anti-Niami win a Stanley Cup. Okay. Um, he's bad. Ron Hainsey won a cup. Okay, I didn't bro- choose... <laughs> Okay. 
No, but okay, Mike okay. Matt hasn't even chose his answer, and defense wasn't even involved in the conversation. Yes, it was. Defense was literally one of the picks. No, but uh, no one's chosen defense. Yeah, because I, I, I just think with the defenseman, there's only so much you can do. And, like, I personally think probably the most dominant defenseman to his team is probably Eric Carlson, one of the Sens year where they went to the conference final. Yeah. But even that, like, he was – Josh, you say yeah? I said yes. Yeah, so – but even that, like, you get 14 goals and 70 assists. Like, you need someone else to score. So, I do agree with Brandon. It is number one center because we talk about Matthews, McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon. I think it's always a sentiment that's in these conversations – and everyone's looking for the superstar centerman because when you look at the last Stanley Cup winners, which I personally go by, you have like Point and Stamkos. They had two, but Point was the only one playing. So I'll say Point. You had O'Reilly in there, Crosby, Bergeron, Jonathan Tay. So I just think you need a lot more number one center is more important because I look at we talk about those centers a lot more than we talk about Jordan Bennington. Vasilevsky, Flurry slash Murray. And honestly, I think you can luck in a goaltending. Like, who knew? Who knew that? Um, uh, just give me an example of a really good goal. Connor Hellebuck, he wasn't a high draft pick. He kind of came out of nowhere in Winnipeg. And Frederick Anderson, we acquired for a first. You can't acquire a good start, a good number one center with a first round draft pick. And for that reason, I'll go to number one center. Josh, do you have a debate or a rebuttal? No, I just, I, 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 if you can outscore a team, you're going to win, but most teams in the NHL can't outscore other teams. You do need to rely on goaltending. And if you have, um, I fuck, who's a terrible goaltender? If you have Garrett Sparkits in net, you're not winning most games. You do need an elite goaltender. So the next question. Okay, so the next question. So the NHL draft, it was on 31 Thoughts, and it was on Saturday Night Headlines. They're most likely not going to move it back. And they're basically telling all the kids that didn't get a lot of games or reps or COVID or whatever, just to suck it up. So do you understand that? That's literally <laughs> what they said. So I'm just saying, do you guys even understand why they're doing that? Because for me, that personally makes no sense whatsoever. So the question basically is, is it fair that what they're doing in the draft, do you understand or just your thoughts? Because I'm personally really upset. I... What? Someone's got to explain what's going on. I don't know what the situation is. They might move this year's draft to next year so teams can get a better look at prospects. But they're most likely not going to because they don't really – they just said they're not going to move it back. So, basically, by June – or whenever, when does the season end? It still end at July, well, no. right? Okay, so here, let me let me give my answer. So, I personally don't care when the draft is, but I think they need to let teams know within the next week or two. That's the problem, yeah. They need to know the value of the draft picks this year. Because if you trade a first-round pick for this upcoming draft and that draft is moved to next year, that's pick, more it, oh, it's less valuable. Because you're not getting that prospect until two seasons away. No, but I think of it as it's more valuable because you have more data on it's the players. It's more valuable the closer you get. But- you know what I mean? Would you, so would you, but no, because like Josh, that's not right. Because would you rather have a first round pick, you pick a player this June that you haven't he's seen? Maybe he's, he's kind of agreeing with you in what you're saying. You don't in the long run, In the long run, when it gets like yeah. today, the next three weeks, it would, it's a pretty shitty idea. But when the draft in a month, or in a year is a couple of weeks away, all of a sudden it looks like a great idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, say say you were to give me – so say you were San Jose and I was Toronto, and you send me – I send yeah. you a first-round pick. You don't have it in June. 
So it's like at the time, it's like, okay, we don't get this player next season, but you know, three weeks away from the draft next year, that, that pick I sent you, it's like tripled in value. You know what I mean? Because okay, but just expand on that. Cause what you're basically saying is it's all recency bias and the yeah, more, well, that's, the that's, closer, that's the closer it is. NHL. But it could what, be really worth it if they win the cup this year and all of a sudden you're giving away something that. Well, Josh, really- my point more is as a scout, wouldn't you rather wait an extra year? So you see more of the kid you're picking or would you rather just have the 12 game snippet that the WHL is playing? You know what I'm trying to say? So I personally think as, it as would scout, be. Yes. As a G. Exactly. You want that stuff right now. And I, I, NHL scouts generally know what they want already. So. So you think it's fair basically for the kid that's only played 20 games to be assessed only on that 20 games and not push back. He's not being assessed. Anybody. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, he's been There's assessed way, already. He's being assessed for the last two to three years. Yeah. That's not realistic at all, actually. Because, dude, when you look at this, moment he stepped into his first year of AAA draft. The last year this player was in AAA hockey before they got drafted to the OHL. They've been being tracked and scouted. They they monitor guys. Information notes go from the OHL team to the NHL team. They go from hand. They go from hand to hand, from scout to scout. The same player has a profile database that's just in the hockey system until he dies. My point is. It's a problem because you're not what? And sorry, sorry. And the fact is that the same players now that the Flyers or the Leafs may want in a year is going to dramatically change. Uh, it, they're not going to necessarily be looking at the same player now than they will be. Uh, but you just contradicted what you just said. In what way? In what well, Brandon, what you said is they have a database of these players, so they already know what they want. And then yeah, you any just player, any uh, player, any oh, yeah, player, yeah, but I'm not done. I'm not no fin. Let me fin. Uh, but then you literally just said, Yeah, but they change in a year. So my thing is give everyone a chance and make it just the back to back, which we already discussed, and make it next year so they get a chance. Because right. for the one percent, I agree with you guys, they know who Connor McDavid is since the ninth grade, probably before that. They know that kid is. But when you look at recency, you look at Jack Quinn, you look at Mark Shifley in the draft, you look at Wayne Simmons. These are guys you didn't know, but then six months later, they get picked really high because they either had a growth sport or whatever. So what I'm basically saying is it's not fair to the kid, not, maybe not even the first rounder, the kid picked the fourth to seventh rounder that you don't give him the time. Because realistically, you don't know who goes in the fourth, seventh round okay. a year before. Okay. Josh, I, you know what I mean? I'm I looking at everybody, saying. not the yeah, elite yeah. kids. Everybody, I, I, I know what you're now, saying. Everybody has a database on them, to your point. Okay, now so yeah, I, I'm on both sides. No, they don't. So, they honestly fair, don't. To be fair to I everybody, have a database myself. There's a yeah, it's called Hockey DB. Uh, like, yeah, but that's not what they go off of. They don't just look at your elite prospects in Hockey DB and say, yep, this kid scored. Like, you okay, know what I'm trying I'm, to say? Gary Bettman over here. Let me answer my question. Okay, what? Not you, Matt. Not you, Brett and Matt. If you, so say, okay, so. I would say in general rounds one to three would generally stay the same from this year to next year. So why don't you just do the first three rounds this year and then next year make the draft 11 rounds. Boom. Problem solved. Yeah, but okay. Is it a fair good idea? Is it fair to who? Are we talking about the players? Is it fair to the players or the teams? It's fair to the players. I don't really give a shit about the teams. The draft's not fair on the players anyway. Okay, move on. It is fair to the players. Yeah, exactly. Next question after this, but it's fair to the players because it gives them a whole year to get better and train and do and do things to assess their game and get picked higher you should have no. been good in the first place let's go no okay. but one second this is actually kind of important i kind of want to stick to this and this is the last 
hockey question and then we have an easy one and we'll go but i i because i I kind of understand your perspective but i just kind of want to hear it more because josh you work with kids all the time so i personally i'm surprised that you have this position because you know the growth of 17 actually it won't even be 17 it'll be 16 to 18 because you missed on one year and a half or probably two years because it doesn't matter you see do you know what i'm trying to say yeah i'm just because and then from a, a standpoint of the NHL and the 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 uh, logistics of moving a whole draft, it just doesn't make sense. So if you don't get like those players are still going to get drafted. Like honestly, what's the difference between being drafted in the second round and the fourth round? Those players are going to show up at camp and show what they have anyway. There's probably about two hundred thousand dollars in signing. No, there's not. No, there's not. There is. No, Dude, <laughs> that, the average seventh round draft pick doesn't get signed. The second round gets signed right now. I know a kid who just got drafted no, in the second round no, and he got no, signed. No. If you're a seventh rounder and you show up to camp and show what you can do in those games, you'll get signed. No, but the point is with COVID and everything, they won't even have a development camp after the draft. So how are they going to do that? Yes, they would. They'd figure they, out. There wasn't a they development might, camp they last time. Okay, anyways, yeah, yeah we'll just move on. That was a- so situation this past year. Yeah. No, but it's realistic to say the kid who was picked last fifth round has not skated with his development staff for that NHL team yet. That's realistic. I, I don't. And they're not going to skate any any faster if the draft's next year. No, but you give them an op. It doesn't matter. Anyways, the last question is: What do you like more, Twitter <laughs> or Instagram? I like Twitter more because people are stupider on Twitter. Like they're given more words to talk. Twitter breaks of- real news. Quickly yeah. at real time. Yeah, I like Twitter. I'll go. I'll Twitter go, has um, funnier, <laughs> funnier memes too. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Twitter too. I just feel like on Instagram you're so limited, and it's only like post a picture. But on Twitter you can post <laughs> a picture and add stuff. You can reply to people. So yeah, I'll go Twitter and. Um, I like replying to people with pictures and gifts or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. very limited on what you can do. Just okay. Oh, before anything happens, my computer's dying. However, we are wrapping up. Um, I want to say on air before we film our next show, happy early birthday and happy birthday to Josh Egan, our very own. We'll be turning whatever he's turning, I think, 16 tomorrow on the 9th. So, happy birthday, 24 year old Josh Egan. And everybody, uh, before I forget, make sure you tune in to our next episode because we might have a little bit of a giveaway we're going to do. Stay tuned for that. Also, keep an eye out for our three-point contest. I think we're going to do that. 100%. Yeah. All right. Can I sign us off or do you want to sign us off? Just say goodbye.